Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, lovely ladies. Lovely to be with you again today. Sorry, I don't have Serene with me today. I'm on my own. However, I still have a few more thoughts uh, of what we were talking about in the last three sessions about the preciousness of life and how if we're going to be those who change the world, we have to be those who not only just believe in life, but we adamantly advocate for life. And I have quite a few more things that are on my heart. Remember, we talked about uh, how abortion is murder. But there's even more, because we talked about how even contraception and sterilization uh, stops life. In fact, I think that this may be one of Satan's greatest accomplishments because through uh, contraception and through sterilization, Satan, because that he is the mastermind of getting rid of life, he has been able to eliminate literally thousands and millions of lives of precious people who have never ever come into this world, who've been deprived of life, deprived of eternity, uh, and, and yet many were in God's heart. And uh, so this is how he eliminates life more than any other way. Of course, there is abortion, which is horrific, and, but that's a backup plan. If life is conceived, oh, wow, we've got life, but we've still got to get rid of it because Satan comes to rob, kill, and destroy. And he uses contraception, sterilization, and abortion. Now, when we get to understand this, it gets a little personal, doesn't it? It gets a little challenging. And maybe you're thinking, oh, help, that's all very well, but does that mean to say that, that I have to just let God be in control of my womb? Wow, that's huge. Well, have you heard that little saying? I've heard preachers say it many times. If he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. And to tell you the truth, that is correct. If God is only Lord and master of just the things that we want him to be master of in our lives, and, but we keep back what we want to control... Is he truly Lord? It's a big question, isn't it? Now, I'm not speaking to you as some holier than thou and I've done it all correctly because I haven't. Oh, I think back with great regret. The other night we had a beautiful family sitting around our table and they looked up at our family picture on the wall with our six children. That was before we adopted more children from Liberia. And they said, 
Oh, what a lovely picture. And I replied, Yes, it is a lovely picture. But it's also a sad picture. Because there are children missing from that picture. And that is so true. I look at that picture and I think of children that are missing, even though there were six there at that time. You see, at that time of my life, I was a victim of society, a victim of our humanistic ways and thinking, and I didn't understand like I do now. And when God revealed this truth to me, wow, goodness, it was such a a revelationary truth. And when I understood God's heart for light, I I just had to repent. I, I don't think that I have ever repented about anything so much as stopping children that God wanted to come into the world. I was on my knees for days repenting. And, of course, I know that when we repent, God forgives. But I still, still I will have times of repenting because it's a huge thing. And we do pay the consequences for uh, our actions. And I have missing today children that I knew I was meant to have. And that is a very sad thing to me because when we say no to children, we do deprive ourselves. In fact, we deprive quite a number of people. We not only deprive ourselves because is there any more wonderful gift that we can receive than a little baby? This is a baby. This baby is precious. You know, there are people, like even in-laws and outlaws, when, you know, perhaps some of you have faced this, when you conceived and you're having another baby, and, oh, you're too scared to tell your parents or your parents-in-law because you know they're thinking about babies and and, uh, they're going to be not very happy about it at all and so negative. And I know some couples who don't even tell them right to the end. And uh, But when sometimes mothers will call me and they say, Oh, Nancy, I'm expecting another baby and we're actually so happy about it, but we're too scared to tell our parents. And I said, Look, don't worry, because when this little baby arrives, they will love this baby. And it's so true because it's it's not that they don't love babies. It's they have been... Uh, propagandized and uh, in in their brains by our society which hates life and, and they're programmed to be against life but when that little life is born oh this is a bundle of life a bundle of cuddles and smiles and joy and blessing and of course they love that baby And so sometimes you just have to wait until the baby is born. Yes, a baby is always a blessing. Even when you conceive and you think, oh, this is not a good time. We're going through this and we've got no money and help, 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 help. And yet a baby always fits into the family and into every situation. A baby 
always is a blessing. God's word is, it never lies. It is true that children are a blessing. Not only do we deprive ourselves of this blessing, we deprive our other children. Children love brothers and sisters. The children, the best thing they can ever receive in life is another brother or sister. Oh, how they, I just see how, you know, as my children have had babies and and as the new baby comes into the family, the joy, it's not just the joy of the parents, the joy of the whole family. I remember one time when it was one of Serene's babies uh, who was born and, and I remember she was in one of our bedrooms in our home with the newborn baby and uh, the baby was born there and then all her children came in to see the baby but not only all her children but all the cousins the room was filled with excitement and hilarious joy that there was a new baby in the family and everyone was just wanting to to get close to see this baby and hold this baby and and some of the cousins missed out because there were so many wanting to just have their turn with this baby and they were so upset because this baby was just the delight of not only the family but the whole extended family oh babies bring such blessing and and a baby it's it's a friend that you'll have for life as the more you grow older the more you realize that god's way is so beautiful and family is the most powerful uh it's the most powerful thing on earth and and family ties are so powerful as you get older, you have many friends throughout the years. Colin and I, we've had so many friends throughout the years. Back in New Zealand, then when we lived in Australia and now here in the States. And friends are so precious. We love friends. But there's nothing like family. Oh, when something happens in your life, it's family that gets together. It's family that bears the burden. It's family that shares the joys. Colin and I have just been back to New Zealand to see uh, some of my family and his family. And they're getting older. Some are in their 80s now. And what joy to just be with family. Family, You see, the brothers and sisters that we have, they are family for life. It's something we have for life. Colin is blessed to be one of nine siblings, and uh, so it's a lot to get around all of his siblings. Half of them live in New Zealand and half in Australia, so we didn't even get to the Australian ones this time. But what joy. Sadly, I was only one of three children. My sister and I, Kate, who lives here, not far from me now, we often say, wow, we were deprived. Because as we grew older, we went to different countries. The three of us were living in different countries for many years of our lives. And we didn't even get to enjoy one another. (laughs) Sometimes you need a lot of siblings to be able to enjoy them as you get older. And then we also deprive our grandparents. 
grandparents, there's couples get to a stage where they are just longing for grandchildren. Well, I have to admit, there are some who don't seem to care and they've raised their children into, into careers and, and they just accept that lifestyle. But there are others who... They're longing for grandchildren, and many of them are waiting and waiting. Sometimes I meet older couples on our travels, and they're our age, and I'll say to them, oh, do you have any grandchildren? And some will say no, and we don't know when we're going to get them. Our children are just in their careers, and they don't have time for children, and you see the longing and sadness in their eyes. Others will light up and say, yes, we've got two. And those two grandchildren are the delight of their lives. And they don't know whether they'll get any more. And so I guess they're spoiled and spoiled and spoiled because they haven't got many to pour out their love upon. And then sometimes I will reply, well, we've got 47 grandchildren so far, hoping for more. And they kind of, they look at me, as though I am from outer space. And yet, this is meant to be the glory of grandparents, their grandchildren. We are living in in such a uh, deluded world, aren't we? It's opposite to how God intends. And so, stopping children deprives grandparents. It deprives society because every child that comes into the world, especially of godly parents and that's raised by godly parents, is going to grow up uh, knowing the Lord. We trust that they will be born again and follow Jesus and they will go out into this world to shine with his love and his glory and bring his truth and his gospel to the world. My, the more children we raise to serve the Lord, the more impact we have upon society. We deprive society. We deprive the world when we stop having children. In fact, we've deprived the United States of America because at this time we have this neck and neck of those who are conservative and want righteous values and who stand for life and righteousness and those who are liberal and and are pro-abortion and pro-homosexuality and everything that is against God's ways. And and here we are. There's this this neck and neck. It's not meant to be like that. I think I shared with you that passage in Exodus chapter 1 where the children of Israel were in Egypt and how they multiplied and they grew more and mightier than the Egyptians. That's how God intends it to be, that his people will be more and mightier than the heathen. There's only one way they can become more and mightier than the heathen, and that is by multiplying, by embracing the children he wants for them. Because the very first words that God ever spoke into the ears of man were, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, 
But then he goes on to say, and subdue and take dominion. It is a progressive principle, a progressive eternal law that the people who multiply will be the people who become more and mightier, the people who then will take dominion. So at the moment, God's people are not taking dominion. We have this big fight on our hands. It should not be like that. But it is because God's precious people, many through ignorance, have held back the godly seed. Oh, that, that passage in, in Malachi chapter 2, verse 14 It's a passage here in the last book of the Bible, and it's talking about divorce, how God hates divorce. Of course, he loves divorced people, but he hates the spirit of divorce because it affects the children. It touches the children's lives. There's no child who has been a victim of divorce that has not been negatively affected in their lives. God doesn't intend this. And in this passage where he's talking about it, he says, And what does God want from your marriage? And then we read the answer. I want a godly seed. I want Godly offspring. That word seed there is zira. We talked about that in another session. How that word is the same word that is used for sperm, the same word used for offspring, for people, little ones, middling ones, adults. And this is what God looks for from our marriage. And uh, so... Yes, who else do we deprive? We deprive society. We deprive the generations to come. You know, this is huge, ladies, isn't it? It's huge. We just think, oh, goodness me, I really haven't got time to have another baby. In fact, I've got so much to do, and I've got all these plans. And actually, it's not a good time because, you know, we're just barely making it financially. So, you know, we'll make sure we stop any babies coming. And we have no idea of what we're doing, of who we are depriving. We also deprive the generations to come. Because when we say no to one child, it's not one child, it's a dynasty. Because every child well, most children, on the average, will grow up to marry and have children, hopefully. There are some who don't marry and some who maybe can't have children. But the general rule is that they will grow up, they will marry, they will have children. This is God's plan to, for the building of the generations. But when we say no, we stop not just one child, but a whole dynasty the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. We're only thinking of my little situation at the moment and my little problem that I don't think I could fit in another child. And we forget 
we are depleting generations. We are stopping the continuing of godly generations. We deprive the church. Yes, we shall be filling the churches with the godly seed. Wow, how wonderful to be in a church where there's lots of families and children and little ones coming on. It's how it's meant to be. We deprive eternity. Yes, eternity. We think nothing of stopping a child, and yet we we deprive eternity. God wants to fill eternity. He he just loves to bring people into his promise of eternal life. And, and this glorious, we, we, well, who knows? I don't. I will, my mind can never even fathom the glories of eternity. The Bible says that it will take the ages. And, and that word is a word that speaks of eternity, of, of its unending ages. It will take the ages and ages to come to understand the glories and the enormity of our salvation and, and even the glory of living in this eternal realm. And we deprive our own children, who could be our own children, of enjoying this incredible blessing, more than just living here on this life. And lastly, we deprive God. Because as I was reading in Malachi, what does he look for? He says, I look from your union, from your marriage union, I look for godly offspring. Well, I'm always amazed and challenged by that word. Let me just have a little drink. I have a frog in my throat. That word, I look for godly offspring. That word godly is the word Elohim. Now, I'm sure you are aware that that's one of the names of God. Elohim. So what is God saying here? He's saying he wants children who are like him, who will grow into his image. He will be born again and be conformed to the image of his son and who will go out into the world to reveal that image and that glory. That's God's ultimate plan. We're not just having children or not having children because of what we decide. It's all God. We have them for God, for his plan for his purposes. And we don't want to thwart or defeat his purposes in the world. And so it is a powerful thing, isn't it? And so you can imagine, as I began to understand these things, I did a lot of repenting. Now, my husband, I remember when God was showing us this, I can remember him saying, oh, what a lot of rot. Can you believe that? But he was a pastor too and still is a pastor today. And sadly, there are still thousands and thousands of pastors who are deceived. Wonderful men of God, but they don't understand his truth and his heart on this matter. And anyway, of course, 
because my husband wants to know truth. He began to get into the word as I began to get into the word. And we began to see, our eyes were open to see what God said. And as he got into the word, God challenged him. He had to just completely change his whole thinking. He had to repent and turn back to God's ways. And I remember about this time, he had an invitation to speak at a men's conference. And he said to me, well, Nancy, I I see that this is the truth of God's word. It's God's heart, but I can't speak about it because if I do, I'll never get another invitation again. So he went off to this men's conference and he wasn't going to speak about this subject. But he got home and he said to me, I opened my mouth and I began to speak. And that's all I spoke about because My husband is one who always speaks about what's in his heart. He never holds anything back. But the amazing thing was, he said, it was well received because as the men saw from the scriptures, they, what could they say? It was also from that time that, uh, from why I wrote the book, Be Fruitful and Multiply, and it was just writing all that I saw in the Word. And that book is just filled with scriptures, the Word of God. Sadly, at the moment, it's out of date. And uh, not out of date, (laughs) sorry, it's out of print. And we are planning to um, reprint it, but it's out of print at the moment. But you can still get it uh, by an audio version. We do have an audio version uh, that you can go onto the website aboverubies.org, just put in the search, be fruitful and multiply, and up will come the audio version, which is often better anyway. I know that most husbands, they don't like to read and they'd rather listen maybe as they're traveling on their way to work or home or whenever. And uh, you can listen to it. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry about my throat. You can listen to it as you working around or going for a walk or something like that. But it's wonderful to just hear the scriptures and what God says. And so, yes, another thing is that even when you begin to hear about this, you think, well, okay, but how can I walk in this? I mean, I don't feel emotionally prepared and I don't know how we could do it financially. (coughs) That's That's why it is important for us to know what God says. We have to know the scriptures and we've got to get into the scriptures. That's why I encourage people to listen to or if they have a copy of Be Fruitful and Multiply. And there are lots of other books out there as well. Um, But what does the scripture say? Romans says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I think it's so difficult to walk in the truth of any uh, scriptural truth in the Word of God. If we just hear somebody talk about it, that's not enough. We've got to go to the scriptures and find out what God says. And as the scriptures just become part of us, they fill us up, you know what happens? Faith 
arises. Faith grows. And as faith grows, we can walk in it. That's the only way you can walk in this truth, as faith builds up in your heart. And the only way faith will build up is as you know the scriptures. That's just how it works. Some of you may be thinking, well, oh, I'm just so overwhelmed now. How could I ever cope with another baby? Well, it's another interesting thing. I love that scripture in 1 Timothy 2, chapter 15. And it talks there about how women will be saved through childbearing. Do you remember that scripture? Some people think, oh, that means that I can be saved from having a painful childbirth. No, that's not what this scripture is saying. Although I do know some people who have had pain-free childbirths. I wasn't one of them. Although I will uh, have to confess that all my births, although they weren't pain-free uh, and they were true labor, and that's what the word really means, it's laboring and uh, sometimes groaning labor, but they were all so glorious, perhaps some of the most beautiful experiences of my life. Um, but it's not saying that here. Do you notice the word is childbearing? It is the picture of embracing motherhood and embracing the role of childbearing. The Bible says that it, in, it's in this that we will be saved, the embracing of this lifestyle. Now, the word there in the Greek, uh, to be saved, is sozo, and uh, it's actually pronounced sozo, and uh, although spelled S-O-Z-O. But this word means more than saved. This word is used a lot in the New Testament, usually translated saved. But the full meaning, and we must know the full meaning, it is important to know what something truly and fully means. And so this is what it means, ladies. Listen for it because this is powerful. It means to save, deliver, protect, heal, cure, preserve, keep safe, and make whole. Now this word is often used in being saved. We think of Romans ten thirteen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes, we are saved from our sin, from the guilt of sin, the power of sin, when we call upon the name of the Lord. But that scripture also means more than just saved. It means the full meaning. It means we'll be delivered, protected, healed, preserved, and made whole. This is the fullness of our salvation, ladies. 
What does it say in Romans 10, 9 and 10? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Yes, saved from your sin, but delivered from the power of sin preserved and made whole and healed. It's a, it's a full salvation. I remember one commentator uh, when I was reading about the meaning of this glorious word, sozo, he, he said, as I understood the full meaning, every time I come to a scripture in the Bible where it is translated saved, I will speak out the full meaning. I speak it out loud and I say all the words. And so he will say, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, delivered, protected, healed, cured, preserved, kept safe and made whole. Wow. If you begin to speak that out loud every time you read those scriptures, wow, you'll just get the fullness of your salvation. But the amazing thing is, ladies, do you notice that this very same word is used to describe what happens to us as women when we embrace childbearing? What does it say again? That women will be saved in childbearing. The New American Standard Bible says, but women will be preserved. There's that beautiful word. Isn't that lovely? Women will be preserved through the bearing of children, the lifestyle of bearing children. Preserved. Wow, that's the word of God. Many women think, oh my, now, if I keep having babies, oh, poor me, my poor body, oh, what will happen to me? No, lovely ladies, God created your body for childbearing. Yes, your body is created to function in this way. And as you embrace it, you will be preserved Yes, a number of, oh, way back, a number of magazines ago, I, um, I did an article about women being preserved in motherhood. Now, I wonder what, let's see, what magazine was that? Oh, yes, let me see if it was this one. Let me just see. Hang on a minute, ladies. I'm just looking here to see. Just might be in this magazine. Let me. Oh, yes, here it is. This is uh, issue 77. Wow, that's a long time ago, isn't it? I wonder if you still have one of these copies. Wow, have a look at this, Arden. Woohoo! Arden is recording here picture of you and Bowen just come back from fishing. These were when the Arden and Bowen were young boys. These are our grandchildren. Now they're both married. And Bowen has a little baby and Arden and Esther are now having a little baby. But um, it doesn't matter. If you don't have this magazine, you can go to the website aboverubies.org and 
then you can go to uh, Articles and Stories. Under Articles and Stories, ladies, I have so many subjects about family life. You can click on any subject you want and under that there will be loads of testimonies and articles relating to it. So then click on Motherhood and under that you'll find Preserved Through Motherhood. Love you to read it because it gives many scientific studies of how as women embrace childbearing and the more babies they uh, bring to birth and the more babies they nurse at the breast, the less incidence of ovarian cancer, and endometrial cancer and so on. And uh, it's very powerful. And then there's another one you can look up there too on that website, and that's preservation testimonies and testimonies of women of how uh, they've been going through difficult um, medical and physical things and how childbirth completely preserved them and healed them. And uh, so anyway, time has gone again, ladies. And I've still got so much more to share. Can I share with you more next session? Okay, let's pray, shall we? Dear Father, we thank you so much for your living, wonderful word that reveals your way to us. Lord God, we're living in this deceived age I pray that you will help us all to not live by just what we hear in society, but what you say. Help us to embrace with meekness your word, to embrace it with submission. Help us to get your word filling up our lives because then we can walk in faith. Oh, Father, I pray that you'll bless every precious mother today. Some are struggling, Lord, with just maybe opening themselves to having another baby. Lord God, you, you only want to bless us. Lord God, your whole heart is for blessing. And Lord, your word says that when you give us a child, you're blessing us. Lord, I pray that they will understand that this is your blessing to them and to their body and to their family and to the world. And, and for generations to come, and for eternity. And Lord God, they're walking in your perfect will. I pray that you will minister your grace and your tender love and mercy to them. And just show them that you are, <clears throat> your way is perfect, and it is for their blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 